Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Williams and you're listening to Know Your Own Psychology. After many years building a successful career as a psychologist, I finally realised that it didn't reflect the autonomy and freedom I wanted in both my life and work. As I made plans to begin working for myself, my husband died suddenly and my whole world fell apart. But with a young family to look after and big dreams I did not want to give up on, I took some time and in the middle of the global pandemic, I left my old life behind. Today, I'm a private psychologist, digital course creator, mum to five and best-selling author. My mission is to simplify psychological ideas so that you can know your own psychology, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose. Are you ready to be empowered? This is Know Your Own Psychology, the podcast. Today in the podcast, I'm talking to Stephen Clark, co-founder of The Kilted Coaches. In this episode, Stephen tells his story from his early life growing up in Glenrothes, joining the military at the age of 16, becoming a PT and then training in neuro-linguistic programming and life coaching. Today, Stephen helps his clients to become fully themselves through his teachings and course, the You Fully Academy. We talk today about the importance of emotional availability, how motivation is overrated and that our shadow selves exist even when we want to deny their existence. Stephen also talks about his passion for breathwork and helping regulate our emotions. This episode takes you on one man's journey to wholeness and psychological integration. As he makes clear, Stephen is far from done on his quest, but I know you're going to get so much out of his candid words. Let's dive on in. Okay, so welcome Stephen Clark to Know Your Own Psychology, the podcast. Um, it's lovely to have you here and we were just talking um, off recording that it's your son's birthday and also my 40th. So thank you for taking the time to be with me here today. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this on your birthday. No, my son no. is um, desperate to get to school. He's been off for a few days, so he was desperate to get to school today to, to spend his birthday with his friends. So of course, of course, lovely. Nice, nice. Okay, so look, let's just um, dive right on in. I would love for you to start us off by telling me a little bit about yourself, what, what you do and why you do it. Oh, wow. Okay, so I uh, guess the long story short. So um, I was always sort of active as a kid and not too sure what I wanted to do. So I joined the military. Um, I wanted to be active. I love the outdoors. I love nature. I've always loved nature. And the military just seemed like the, the obvious choice for me. Um, so I disappeared. Um, I grew up in Fife, in a little town called Glenrothes. And um, Glenrothes is fine. It's not amazing. <laughs> and so I needed to get out of Glenrothes. I needed to disappear and just uh, and learn how to be a man, essentially, away from the, the, the people that I, was, that I was spending time with. So I disappeared, joined the military. And that was fine. That was okay. I um, had a few experiences. Um, went to Canada on, on a, an amazing exercise. Got to see a little bit of Canada and just had a lot of fun. And then we went to Iraq in 2003 for the war. And and that was an eye-opener. You know, at the time, I was very proud to go. And I uh, had a lot of respect for my peers and for, for everybody involved. But... Unfortunately, that took a slightly sour taste in my mouth because of the politics behind it. Sure. And um, I won't go into that on this podcast, and um, that's not really relevant. But essentially, I just sort of um, I lost my my passion, let's say, for for the military and for um, and for for, <laughs> for for that side of of my life. And so I decided to, to pursue my other passion, which was always fitness. I loved training. And actually, I loved helping people. I just loved helping people. And I was one of the, the fittest guys in my in my squadron. And I was always asked, you know, can you help these other guys get a little bit fitter? Now, I wasn't a PTI in the army, but I was always just helping people just get that little bit fitter. And I loved the process. 
And so that then took me on a bit of a journey. Uh, I became a personal trainer. And that passion for helping people carried on. So as a personal trainer, some of my clients would get results. They would lose weight. They would get a little bit fitter. And some of them wouldn't. And when somebody did not get results, it really bothered me. And so I started learning about nutrition and some more clients got results. And it was great, but then some clients didn't. I thought, why are these clients not getting results? So you just had to look into a little bit of mindset and psychology. So it's, it's yeah. great that I'm speaking to you today. Yeah. And um, I studied NLP. I became a life coach. I studied meditation and breath work and really getting into the more of the, the psyche of somebody and understanding the person behind the body is way more important than just understanding the body. The, the body is fascinating. It's really fascinating. Um, it, it's got some really profound wisdom within it um, that, that I that we're still trying to, even the greatest scientists in the world, we're still trying to figure out what's going on. And what you start to piece together is that the body is not just the body. The body is the mind, and the mind is the body. It's all one and the same thing. And... Um, and I wanted to, to sort of take this message because more and more of my clients were then getting results. I had a good name for myself in Perth for getting results. Yeah. And then we wanted to take this, this message to a, a larger audience. And so we, we started doing YouTube videos. So I got together with my friend, Rab, who who's a great guy. And uh, we've been friends for, for a long time. And we got together and we said, right, we're going to make some YouTube videos and we're going to take this message of, health and happiness not just the health but it's yeah. the health and happiness because one will always affect the other the body affects the mind mind affects the body and we need to relax a little bit more the, the fitness industry i'm not sure if you're aware of this laura but mm -hmm. the fitness industry can be a really dark place you know a lot of people get um really mentally ill i've seen personal trainers who who will pride themselves on doing five classes a day plus their own training and not eating because they're trying to get lean and their mental health just plummets. Yeah. You just want to shake them in, but when they're personal trainers themselves, they won't, they won't listen and, and they think they know best. Mm. And so the, the, the big message for the Kilty coaches, uh, that's, that was the online brand that we started. We started wearing kilts because we, we <laughs> there's no getting away from a Scottish accent. So if anybody <laughs> outside of Scotland is like, oh, the Scottish guys, so we just took that Scottishness and we just put a little bow on it and we thought, right, well, let's wear the kilts as well. So we became the kilted coaches. And this message was, we need to relax a little bit more. We need to understand that the mind affects the body. And while the body getting fit and healthy will also affect the mind, you know, getting fit and healthy will make you happier. And so, and so that, that was, that's been fantastic. Um, and then more recently, Rab and I, we're our own men. And Rab, Rab is is great. He's got a very particular personality, and I've got a, my my personality is sort of tweaked and changed. And and more recently, over the past sort of three years, my journey has taken a turn because I realised that while the kilted coaches was great, it was taking me down a path that was not me. Okay. And while it started as me, it became my identity. And then suddenly I became, I, I was identifying as Kilted Coach Stephen and not Stephen. Yeah. And so my mental health actually started to, to drop and my relationships started to suffer and my role as a father mm. was, was fine. It was fine, but not amazing. Okay. And so I, I had a real wake up call um, and I went down more of a, a spiritual route and really connecting with my heart and my soul, um, connecting with me again. Yeah. And, and that just meant that, that me and Rab are still, we're still friends, but I'm, I'm going down a very particular route now and, and he's going down his, his route that he's always been on. Mm -hmm. And it just means that we're we're starting to do different things, okay. and and we're sort of honouring each other for that process. Um, and so more recently, I've then started. Um, I call it you fully, like just be you fully. Uh, yes, your body's important, training's important, nutrition's important, but you are important. You know who are you? And it's starting to look at 
the whole process of everything. And, and, and this is why I'm excited for this this conversation today, because I've talked to you more about it. You're yeah. the expert on, on the psychology side of things. <laughs> and it's, it's fascinating when you delve into the process that people go through and why they end up overweight, why they end up unfit. And it's nothing to do with the, because they don't know how to squat. It's nothing to do with, oh, can you plank for three minutes rather than two minutes? It's nothing to do with that. And it's everything to do with what's going on in the inside. So that's that's my route that I'm going down now. Amazing, amazing. So many things to pick up, up on. Um, first of all, I'm sort of um, laughing about Glenrothes because I did my clinical training in Fife. So I know Glenrothes very well. Excellent. <laughs> all those little villages. Um, but look, you know, I, I had no idea that you were a veteran and, you know, we're not going to delve into that so much, but it's just interesting how, you know, those sort of um, experiences where things can become challenging really shape us and push us in directions. And that really sort of stood out there to me. And also this mind-body connection, right? And I've done a few podcasts now talking about um, weight and shape and different bits and pieces. And it's really interesting to hear you speak about the fitness industry as quite a toxic place, particularly for PTs. I, I know a couple and they've spoken about that, this idea of showing up um, as, you know, as a PT, as someone who's in the health industry and really feeling that pressure. Um, and it's interesting to hear you speak about that for sure. Um, okay, let me let me go on to the next question. So one of the things that comes across very strongly in the work that you do, um, and from what I've seen, is the link to nature and water, and you referenced it. And I'd love to hear you say a bit more about why you think it's important for well-being to connect with nature. Okay, so so this is this is a great question, Laura. Um this is actually factoring into a, a bigger program that I'm I'm creating at the moment. It's okay. bringing all my experience into one program. Um, Elemental Reset is is the provisional name at the moment. But what, what's become quite apparent is people talk about nature like it's separate from us. Like, oh, I'm getting into nature and I want to experience nature. And a, a big part of what I do is trying to help people have the experience of them being nature. You're part of nature. You are nature. And the more we can connect with our, ourselves, the more we want to be out in the woods. We want to be in the cold locks. We want to, to be connecting with each other. And when you start to look at all of the elements, you realize that all the elements are, are within us. And we're obviously talking on this podcast right now. For anybody listening, Words are great and conversations are amazing, but they aim at inspiring a, a seed of change within someone. And that, that seed of change can only flourish, can only germinate and, and grow with their own experience. So like sometimes when you listen to a podcast, you go, oh, that sounds amazing. And you get this little dopamine release because it sounds amazing. You think you're learning something and you are, but in order for this to affect your life, you have to experience it for yourself. And so this is what I'm trying to help people with is, is, you know, learning how to eat a salad will not change your life. Actually eating the salad might. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that because, you know, as a psychologist, what I think about this um, as is behavioral activation. So often I'm having, you know, I'm doing talking therapy with people. We'll discuss things, we'll understand them from the past. And then it's about the implementation. And that's about where everyone gets stuck. And I'm kind of saying to people, the thought processes often change after the behavior has shifted. And, and so quite often I'm helping people think about that. And that sounds similar to what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so last month uh, I run a free event because I wanted to um, I wanted to inspire people to, to experience this for themselves. And so I run this little event. I was going to go for a swim in Loch Lomond uh, back in January, actually. And I thought... I wonder if I just put this little message out on social media just to say, I'm going to go for a swim in Loch Lomond. Who wants to come? And then a bunch of people went, that would be amazing. I'd love to come along. And so I quickly then grew arms and legs and I decided to delay it until April because if anybody's coming for the first time, going in Loch Lomond in January is going to be a little bit too much. Yeah. So I thought, I'll wait till the springtime. So at least when you get out of the water, it is nice. It's, it's a little bit warmer. And um, and the idea of this event was to, I call it humans being human. And we're, we're, we live in a world where there's, you know, we've all got to make money, we've all got businesses, we've, we've all got our lives to, to, to take care of, but we're missing something huge from humanity, not just 
you know, locally but globally, we're missing just this element of community and actually getting together and doing these things. And everyone's got their own little group of friends and that, that's great. But I think it's really nice to be able to meet strangers and say, like, we're going to do this event, let's come along. It's not paid event. You come along and you pay with your attention, you pay with your compassion and your your just your presence for other people. That's how you pay for this. And it was great. And the idea was to help people experience nature. You know, we did some breath work. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about breath work. It's it's completely changed my life. We can maybe talk a bit about that today. But uh, breath, breath work for me allows me to connect with my deeper self, um, my higher self, my true self, call it what you want. And there are different ways that we can practice breath work to achieve different states and to create more calm in your life, more peace in your life, but also more, more vigor and, and more, more excitement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did breath work and then uh, we, we did a little bit of movement. Uh, we talked about intentions and connection we talked about being there for each other and then we went for a swim um, and for a lot of people it was the first time um, doing it. Some people really struggled but we, together we got everyone through the whole thing and everybody experienced the cold which was, which was just lovely. Mm. And I, it's amazing because I saw your video of that recently and it just looked great and actually that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about off the back of that seeing that video was the sense that you offer people that opportunity to connect deeply and I guess what I wondered about was to what extent you believe that our human suffering is actually about disconnection yeah 100% 100% Um, and that's it you know you can talk about unity and unity we can talk about like globally you know universally we can talk about unity and a lot of people might, you know, start to switch off from that. It might sound a bit woo-woo, you know, this collective consciousness. And I'm still, to this day, formulating my own, you know, how, what do I believe within this? What, what's my experience? And, and that's what I always come back to is, well, what am I experiencing? And I, I don't have psychic abilities. I can't connect with people on the other side of the planet. I can't do any of that. Some people claim that they can, and, and I, I'm not going to be the guy to say that they can't, just because I can't. Um, but what I do know and what I have experienced myself is is level of connection with people. And so what I was alluding to before when I talked about, you know, uh, the Kilted Coaches brand, I, I be, I've become lost in it. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, it became a little bit superficial. And I realized that that superficial, that surface level success was what was making my mental health suffer. Mm. and I needed the depth, I needed the intimacy and that, yes, intimate with my wife and with my children, but also just intimate with a stranger. You know, this is the first time that I've really met you in person, spoke to you face-to-face. We've connected a little bit online, but I like to think that we're already having at least a little bit of an intimate connection and and I think that's what humanity needs. And when you can create that intimacy, we can create this more unity. Like we're we're more connected. That's what it means to to um, to connect with each other. You expand that from one conversation to then a week, a month, a year, a decade of that type of interactions, and suddenly you will feel more connected with a whole community with with the human race because everybody's fully connected with the people around them, and then you're only what a couple of connections away from the whole world essentially. Um, but if we were to then come come away from the connection with, with each other, I believe that the disconnect from other people and why we've got war, why we've got so much conflict in the world is because we've got so much conflict within ourselves. Yeah. And I've been fascinating, uh, fascinated with shadow work more recently. And what I'm starting to feel within myself is anytime I've had a conflict in my life, And when I've seen something in somebody else that I didn't like, it was obviously a part of my own shadow that I wasn't willing to recognize. Mm. And through breath work, through cold therapy, through training, through therapy, Mm. um, when we're able to connect deeply with ourselves and connect with ourselves, and it's it's, it's like we've all got this autoimmune disease, we've got this disconnect in our psyche, 
And if I, when, I, when I'm able to connect more of me into, into one being, into just Stephen, I'm not Stephen on a good day and Stephen on a bad day, you know, and yes, we have good days and bad days, but I but when you're more when I'm more aware of it and when I'm more connected, I can then see myself and other people. And I when even if I don't agree with something, I can have compassion, I can see uh, myself within that 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 aspect. And instantly there's no conflict, there's just compassion. Mm. And and if you if if I've experienced that on my personal level, then imagine what we would do if we all did that and what impact it would make globally. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I love um, that sort of Jungian concept of the shadow work and this sense of, you know, these parts of ourselves that we keep hidden from other people because we're shameful of them or we're scared of them, fearful. And actually, it's when we embrace both the light and the shade, you know, the, the good and the bad, um, that actually we're able to connect more deeply with ourselves and then others. And that's that's really helpful to hear you think about it that way. Um, we are going to come on and talk about some of the practices that you use and best being one of them because I'm fascinated by it. Um, but just coming back to the behavioural stuff. So one of the things I've heard you speak about on your page is motivation and discipline. Mm. How do you think we can keep our motivation up? Great question. Love this. Um, so I've, I've actually been doing a lot of writing on this recently. Mm-hmm. Motivation as... Um, Overrated. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) People often ask me, you know, um, Stephen, how can you be so motivated to get up in the morning and and do your training? And and it's a strange question to me because it's not about motivation. It's just who I am. And so I've done a lot of um, thinking and feeling into this. And I believe everything comes down to purpose. Mm if you know your purpose and and this is where a lot of people go wrong is is they just don't know what the purpose is they always say if you want to be successful you have to know what success looks like you don't have to know what success feels like what even smells like you need to know you need to know success Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people don't even they're not willing to go into that that space because of fear of failure you know fear of getting their hopes up Mm -hmm. and for me you can talk about then success. Well, you know, success means something different to me than it does to you. Yeah. And so when you start to look at success, you realize that at a deeper level, and I guess this is my perspective, mm-hmm. but I believe that on a deeper level, it should come down to your purpose. Mm-hmm. And my purpose is not something that I need to achieve one day. This is what I used to think purpose was. I used to think purpose was, oh, my purpose is to build a big business. My purpose is to help a million people. My purpose is like, no, no, no. My purpose, and, and I'll, I'll break it out. I'll, I'll give you the, the, the shorter story of this. My purpose is to heal myself fully, like to fully integrate all of me so that anyone I meet, I can hold space for them to, to heal themselves. That, that's That's my purpose. Now that starts with me initially, and that's something that I live every day. It's not something I have to essentially achieve one day. It's just every day I'm like, am I integrating? Am I being compassionate? Am I being open? Um, and so that if if my sons are um, fighting, bickering, and just being children, um, ask, asking those questions that you just don't have an answer to, um, you can ha- if you're if you're present if you're balanced if you're if you're looking after yourself i'm going to have more compassion i'm going to have more patience i'm going to have a bit of a more of a smile on my face i'm going to laugh at the silly questions rather than getting angry with them mm. uh, and and I, I, for all the parents who are and i know you're a parent as well but um you know we've all been in that, that place when you're just getting like well you're just not asking me questions <laughs> yeah um, and so for, for me, it's um, when I know my purpose, then everything else becomes easier. Motivation becomes like irrelevant. Like, do I need motivation for getting up in the morning and, and doing my breath work, doing my training, doing my meditation? Well, no, because I know my purpose. And if my purpose means something to me, if I can feel my purpose within my own heart, within my own soul, then it's like, do I need motivation to go and do that? Well, maybe sometimes, 
But it says, like, you just got to connect to that purpose. You've got it. I, I know exactly what I'm doing. And I know that when I train, when I breathe, when I meditate, when I do my cold therapy, I'm going to feel much better. I'm going to feel more like me. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly you've got, okay, great. So it all starts and ends with purpose. We could talk about motivation, um, but it all, all stems from, from purpose. Discipline. Discipline's probably um, a word that I'm very used to being in the military when I, when I was younger, having a discipline to, to do things. Um, but discipline, again, can lead you astray if you're not connected to your purpose. So I've always said, I'm not shy of hard work. I will, I will climb any mountain, but there's nothing worse than climbing a mountain than realizing you've got the wrong one. <laughs> you better go all the way back down again and start again. Yeah. So dis discipline's great if you know exactly what you're doing, why you're doing it. Sure. No, absolutely. And it's so interesting because that's my perspective on motivation as well, that actually it's, it is overrated and focus on so much that people actually, you know, if I think about when therapy clients are trying to make behavioral changes again, they'll say, but I'm just not motivated to do it. Um, and they get stuck in that place. And actually, if they know why they're doing it and what the purpose of all of that is, their wellness, their recovery, all of the thing. And it's about getting them to show up even when they don't feel good to do it, even when they don't feel good. And that is the, the struggle, right? That That's the struggle. I just wanted to pick up on one of the things you said there about integration. So again, we're getting very psychodynamic here on the podcast today, but the sense of like all the different parts of us and, you know, trying to find uh, that sense of integration, integrating all those parts and not hiding them either from ourselves or other people. And it sort of brings me on to the next question because I wanted to ask you, you know, you've, you've alluded to a few times when your mental health has been challenged. And what I wanted to ask was, at those times, would you make any links with your mental health challenges with what was modelled to you in childhood and perhaps across your lifetime? How do you sort of bring those two concepts together? Um, so essentially, where I've struggled uh, myself and the links to, to my childhood and... Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> I always struggle to talk about this, um, but but let, let let's go there. Um, my my father, um, I love him. He's amazing, but he's emotionally unavailable. Yeah. Um, and. So a big part of my spiritual journey, my spiritual um, um, awakening, let's say, was accepting emotion in my life. Yeah. I'm getting upset already. <laughs> I can see. Look, take a minute, take a minute. And, you know, actually, one of the things that I was going to go on and ask you, so while you take a second, I'll just go on and speak about that. So much of what I see as a therapist are adults who get to about our age, right? So sort of late 30s into your early 40s. And their emotional experience has been invalidated in some way, shape or form. And we don't always recognize it when we're, you know, in our 20s, because we're just out living our lives and doing all those things. And I just have this real sense that um, simply being heard and your emotions being acknowledged are just so healing in and of itself, regardless of whether you even do any work to make any changes, just being heard feels so powerful, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's knowing that your feelings are valid. Yeah. Like your feelings are valid. Like right or wrong, you're not you're not claiming to try and change the world. It's just being seen and, and being accepted for 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 every part of you. Um, and essentially, you know, we, we talked briefly about shadows there, but that's essentially what then creates these shadows. It, it's these parts of us that are unaccepted in our in our in our upbringing. So, um, and I can't say it's all to do with my dad because you know I left then home at, at sixteen years old, joined the military at sixteen, so I was still a boy. But that same mentality is then drummed into you. It's like, okay, well, it was almost like confirmed. Like I actually thrived in the military because I was very unemotional. You know, I went to Iraq. And I was like, great, 
I get to experience some more of the world. I'm excited to go and experience this. And I had people around me who were like, oh, you know, really panicking. Yeah. And actually having human emotions. And I didn't have human emotions. I was like, right. So I would actually, if I was to stay in the military, no doubt I would have thrived and, and done really well because of that lack of emotion. Um, but as a husband and a father, that's that's not a great way to to be. And so I'm I'm very grateful for for my learning experiences and, and allowing that to come up. Mm. And I can see it in, in so many other people. Yeah. Uh, people who are who are close to me. Um, again, I, I won't I won't mention who, who they are for uh, it's not really fair, but there are people who are close to me who um are are that exactly that way. And when I start started talking about um allowing myself to cry, for example, mm. was brutally hard. Still yeah. is, still yeah. is. Yeah. And when I started talking about it, yeah, it was even rejected by people that were close to me. Like, no, no, but that's that's not manly. And, you know, do you not think it's showing weakness to your children if you were to cry in front of them and blah? I'm like, this is exactly, that's that's the one thing, that's one of my main things that I should be doing is if something upsets me, if somebody dies in my family, I should be able to cry and cry with my boys. Yeah. And there's there's so much of that suppression, isn't there? Like even, even today in the pot, you know, I'm not expecting you to cry here or anything like that. But so many times I see people sort of do that choke up and it gets held in the body and there's that push down and that suppression. And, you know, I think when we can allow ourselves that emotion and that vulnerability and as a therapist, like, like that's, I see that as my job. So people turn up, they have a symptom, they have a problem. It's never what the actual problem is, which is the childhood patterns and conditioning and all this stuff. So I'm trying to get them from here to this presenting problem to what the actual issue is. And I, one of the therapeutic <clears throat> analogies I love to think about is a sense of, imagine like that person's at the back of the bus, their child you know, self is at the back of the bus and I'm trying to get from the front of the bus to them and reach them and allow yeah. vulnerability, you know, and um, it is a gift when you recognise it for yourself and you know what the patterns are and you can start to see them. Um, so it's lovely to hear you sort of talk about that and just share how difficult it still is for you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, even talking about it is really hard for me. Yeah. Um and I'm, I'm fighting that emotion, which is just a normal, it's a natural pattern for me. It's, it's like you train, I, I always liken it to brushing my teeth. You know, you don't have to think about brushing your teeth, you just do it. And there's a certain pattern that you go through. And I could recognize that when I feel emotion coming up, it's a certain pattern that pushes it back down again. And slowly but surely it's, it's coming up. And yeah. one, one, day, one day it'll just, I'll allow it to come freely. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, let's let's move on from there. I really appreciate your candidness over this, Stephen. Thank you. So you mentioned your kids, and um, I've also got young kids, five of them in our household, which is uh, you know challenging. Um, and I guess I wondered how what you teach transfers into your parenting. You've talked about some of the frustrations, but yeah, like what do you, how does what you teach transfer into how you parent? Yeah, so so that that's a really interesting one, Laura. Um, I think. Before I became more aware of of patterns and, and energy, I, I was actually trying to uh, push and force, you know, my own beliefs about you know training. And I've always I've always liked rugby, for example. Mm -hmm. And and this this is this story's got relevance. I've always loved watching rugby, but I've never played it. And I've always thought, I should have really got into rugby as as a child. I think I would have been good at it. I, I love watching it. So then as I became a father, I was like, great, my boys can get into rugby. <laughs> and, it, and it's almost that stereotypical, I'm going to live, relive my youth through my children. Yeah. And um, so I was taking my, my son, Argyle, into, into his rugby class every week. And, and he, he enjoyed that a little bit. It was fine. But I'm really into judo. So I, I go to judo um, a few times a week. I, I love it. And... As my children got a little bit older and they were able to articulate their thoughts, all they kept saying was, Daddy, when can we go to judo? Daddy, when can we go to judo? And what what essentially started to realise, and this was like a, a deep, I'd read this in books, I'd, I'd 
taught clients, but I'd never really had this visceral experience was children don't do what you say. They do what you do. Yeah. And they embody your energy, not your words. And so I can talk about, oh, I love rugby. Now, my boys love watching rugby because I love watching rugby. They don't love playing it. Holy shit. So suddenly it gave me that inspiration to, to really live an amazing life and to go, right, well, it's almost like there are certain things in my life that are like, ah, oh, well, I wish I'd done this or I wish I'd done that. But I'm a bit too old now. I'm 40, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. But then when I see my children essentially mirroring me and they're looking, they're looking to me like, just like what we talked about with my dad, I look to my dad, how to be a man. Okay, it wasn't a conscious thought, it's all subconscious. Like, I just look at him, I love him, he's amazing. This this is what I need to mirror. And so that this thing, okay, well, this is essentially what I'm doing for my boys. They're going to mirror me. What, how, what kind of message and what kind of energy do I want to embody for my children, for my boys? And um, I don't think any parent's going to get 100% right. Definitely <laughs> but, not. Um, but we can essentially... Um, heal old um, generational trauma and uh, generational wounds. Um, no doubt my my granddad would have had similar things going on. And that's all I can do for my boys is, is to, to just really embody. When it comes to what I coach, what I teach, um, I love breath work. I love meditation. Um, I love Wim Hof. And so I'm actually I'm studying at the moment to become a Wim Hof instructor um, as well, just because because I love the cold and I love breath work. Yeah. I may as well just go straight to the source and, and, and train with this guy who's doing amazing things. So what we like to do as a family is when it's raining and it's really they won't do the cold showers at the moment. They will come into a cold lock if I'm going in, but they'll paddle rather than coming in fully. But when it's raining, we like to we, we say, shall we Wim Hof it? Oh, like, so so we, we take the tops off and we all we do is we run around the cars um, yeah. and and our and our and our driveway. And it's just a bit of fun. It's like let's go out and get cold and wet and, and let's run around and have some fun. And it's just this this thing that bonds us. Um it's, it's really lovely. And all I'm all I'm doing is showing them that we don't have to be scared of the elements. We can go out, we can experience these things. We don't have to be scared of the rain. We don't have to be scared of going into nature, going into the woods and picking up sticks and and, and trying to be boys, trying to be men and, and being part of nature. Um, and that's hopefully what I'm that's that's the legacy that I'll pass on, I hope. Yeah. Sure, I love that. So so many things I want to pick up on there, Stephen. One is this idea of our kids are like a mirror up to our faces, aren't they? Like yeah. when they're behaving in a certain way. Like that's always when parents think it's hardest for me when I see them behave in a certain way and it's literally a mirror to how I've behaved and they're copying it and and you're sort of like oh you know trying to do the best by them always but not always getting it right and in psychology we talk about this concept of good enough you know because I think it's important to be so compassionate as a parent and I'm never concerned about the parents who come to me and say I want to change things it's when people don't know you know that the struggle. Um, and I love this bit about, you know, don't be scared of the elements, just get out in the rain. And in Scotland, it's so appropriate, isn't it? Because we'd spend six months of the year sort of in our homes and that's not good for anyone's mental health. But OK, I want to come on to breath work because it's obviously something you're very, very um, passionate about. Um, you use breath work, mindfulness, cold water immersion practices. Um, how would you recommend people just getting started on this journey might start to integrate these things without it being you know, something that's unrealistic. Because I, I see that a lot of people starting to try and meditate and, you know, trying to sit for an hour and it's just, uh, they're on a hide into nothing, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. So a lot of the time when people think of breath work, um, they, they think of the, the real deep breathing and almost like the hyperventilating side of things. Yeah. Now that's super powerful, but I can put a lot of people off instantly. It's a very masculine way of, of approaching breath work. It's like, let's go at this. Let's go from here to here and let, let's go for it. And that's great if you're into that. I love it. But it's not what breath work is all about. Breath work for me is understanding your breath, the power of it, mm -hmm. knowing that the moment you are born, when your umbilical cord is cut, the first thing you ever do is take a breath in. You know, it's that 
again, it's, if they don't take a breath, the doctor will smack your bum and, you, and, and you'll take that breath. This is the breath of life. This, this is our life force. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you will ever do is breathe out. Yeah. So the first thing you do is breathe in. The last thing you, you ever do is just go, ah, you just, you just breathe out. Um, I know there's, there's, there's funny stories of um, even after death, you know, p- people fart uh, because it's like everything's just, the, the air is just, <laughs> just, just leaving their body. And it's like that life force has now left your body. Yeah. And everything in between is where we have, can, have where we can have some fun and understanding your breath. So where people can start is actually a cross between breath work and meditation. It's just a breath meditation. Just you don't have to change anything. Don't try to force your breath. Just be conscious of it. You know, just close your eyes and just go, right, how is my breathing? How does it feel? How does it feel going through my nostrils? Or, or are my sinuses blocked and, and I'm breathing through my mouth? Some people have blocked sinuses and never know. And they snore and, and, and they just mouth breathe constantly. We should be breathing in and out through the nose. So it starts to bring awareness of, of you. And where is it going to? Is it coming into the chest and shoulders? Because that's what happens when you're when you're quite stressed. It comes up into the shoulders, into the chest. Or is your diaphragm moving? Is your belly coming in and out? And that's, that's where you're a little bit more relaxed and uh, how we should be breathing on a, on a day-to-day basis when we're not exerting ourselves. And so just become conscious of your breathing can have quite profound impacts on decisions that you're going to make. Oh, God, I didn't realise I was stressed. I didn't realise that my sinuses were blocked or that I've got blockages going on in my throat. And uh, we can start to become more conscious of it. If you then want to say, right, that's great. How do I then start to change my breath to to um, start to embody a different energy? And so one of the main things for today's society is calming breaths. So... <clears throat> Um, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm going to explain this anyway. Um, when when we're stressed, your brain chemistry changes. So the fight or flight response, if you're being chased by a lion, there is no point in being you know, analytical and being able to do math problems. You need to react. It's just like reaction only. Like, And all your energy goes into reaction and all your, your blood flow goes into your working muscles. There's no point in digesting food if you're being chased by a lion. There's no point in healing um, cuts on your leg or or maybe you've got um, some digestive problems or problems in your liver, your kidneys. You've got all these different things. Your body needs to constantly heal itself. But your body's like, there's no point in doing any of that when you're being chased by a lion. We need to get away. We need to survive. But that that hungry lion now in modern life is the emails, the social media, the financial worries, the relationship problems. It's like stress, stress, stress. And so what happens with your breath in that moment is becomes very shallow. Mm-hmm. So again, when you're being chased by that lion, you're not going to be going, ah. you're going to go, yeah. you know, it's very short, shallow, very rapid breaths. Now that's obviously a little bit more subtle than that in, in everyday life, but it's shallow nonetheless. And by simply taking deeper breaths, we're starting to tell your body that we're relaxed. And if we can tell your body that you're relaxed, you'll start to digest your food a little bit better. You'll start to repair your liver and your kidneys and your heart and your lungs and all the stuff that, that's, that's being damaged daily. You know, it's just these little micro micro damage. We're not talking, you know, big diseases at the moment, but micro damage. It's just daily life. Mm. And so that every, your body can heal itself better then your brain chemistry starts to change because we don't have to be in reaction mode anymore because we're nice and relaxed. So then you can start to be more logical and more creative. And so when people say, you know, I'm trying to be good, but, you know, after a stressful day at work, I come home and I just want a glass of wine and um, and a takeaway. And it's because, yeah, because you're stressed and you're reacting to a situation and your body just wants to feel a little bit of happiness. And then you know you'll get that from a wine and takeaway. Whereas if you can do some breaths, and get your body into a much more calm state, your, your brain chemistry will change, come back more into your thinking and logical part of the brain so that you can make logical decisions. Yeah. And you go, all right, I've had a long week. And actually, I really pride myself in my health and my well-being. And I've got these goals that I'm, that I'm going to hit. Do I want wine and takeaway? Or do I want to have a really nice stir fry? And actually, just put a movie on and maybe a little bit of popcorn, but nothing, nothing crazy. 
And that's a much more logical, sane choice that we can make. And that can all come just through the power of your breath. Now, in order to do that, it really is simple. Take deep breaths into your diaphragm. And so if you put your, if for anybody listening, if you're not too sure how to do this, if you put your hand on your belly, just breathe and your belly should expand as you're breathing. So breathe in, belly expands, breathe out, belly goes back in again. And if you can do that, um, start nice and slowly. Don't try to change anything other than taking deeper breaths. But then if you want to take it a stage further, I like to do a two to one ratio. So it's breathing in for say three seconds, breathe out for six seconds. So you're always breathing out for twice as long as you're breathing in. And there is a magic that happens at seven seconds. So at seven seconds breath out, there's a magic that happens that really just settles your whole central nervous system. It's like, okay, we're relaxed, we're chilled, we're all good here. And, and then your body can do what your body does. Um, and we can really start to tap into this innate wisdom of your body um, coming away from the stress of modern life. Yeah, I love that on so many levels. So the bit about what this is really tapping into is regulating your emotional state. You know, when you're high after a busy week and stress and all those kind of things, it's actually about emotional regulation. And, you know, one of the things that um, I wanted to also touch on with you, so breath work is one way to do that. Um, I've done a previous podcast with a guy who talks about the power of water to heal um, and how it gets you into what he calls a blue mind state. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm also I'm aware of lots of psych um, scientific research out there about cold water immersion, how that actually improves our longevity, actually, our lifespan. Uh, I'll reference the book in the show notes uh, for this episode. But I'm just interested in what you think of the power of sort of water specifically in nature and how that helps us psychologically. Yeah, so... Um, Laura, I always come back to my own experience um, and I would I would highly encourage everybody to do the same thing. So um, I actually listened to that podcast you did with um, that, 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 that guy. Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, um, so so cold water, you're absolutely right. So the, the, the data is showing that it's going to help with longevity. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have a huge amount of evidence at the moment because it's such early days. Yeah. But they are looking at the markers of longevity, um, and that's essentially what they're what they're basing this on. So it looks like it is going to be good for longevity, but um, we, we won't know until people start popping their clogs that have been doing cold water for a long time. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the markers, the markers are there. But I always come back to my own experience and the experience of my clients. And when you when you go into the cold, if you're doing it for the longevity. Like cold water sucks. Like when you see when you go in, it's, it's yeah. not pleasant. And so when you go, ah, oh, it's going to help me live longer. Like, oh, that's going to get you so far. And so what's going to keep you doing it so that you can benefit from the longevity? Well, it's the initial experience. So my my personal experience and that those who are, who I've coached through this is that yes, it sucks. So instantly there's an element of willpower. Yeah. Like to, to do what you want to do, to do what you need to do, whether you feel like it or not, right? That's like this warrior mindset. And I think we've all got, I actually do a, a few lessons called the warrior within. And I like to, to bring out that, that warrior. I actually thought it would appeal a lot to guys initially, but it's actually the females that love it. They're like, I love this warrior spirit. It's great. Yeah. And so the warrior within essentially does what he has to do, whether he feels like it or not. And so going into the cold, knowing that there's other benefits that we'll go on to in a second, but this that initial of I'm having a hot shower initially and to reach your hand out and turn that knob fully to cold, that takes willpower, that takes guts, that takes that warrior spirit to go, right, I'm doing this. Whoa. And even if you're just starting with 10 seconds, it's like, I did that. And it's like that's the self Right and like I did, I did that thing, and this is why people like talking about it because it makes you feel good. You're like I did that thing. You know when when we went to Loch Lomond and when we we're doing like ice baths and stuff, people love talking about it. They take photos and they're like, I did that thing. It was really hard, and I did it. Nobody wants to talk about. Oh, I had a really nice, relaxing, hot shower. It was nice and cozy. I had loads of soap going on. Nobody <laughs> talks about it because it's like, yeah, you're pretty comfortable, weren't you? Um, and so first and foremost, it's like willpower of, of doing it. Um, if you've got the willpower to 
turn that knob to cold, you've got the willpower to say no to the donut and say no to the, to, to the glass of wine and to say no to the takeaway and to stand up for yourself when you need to stand up for yourself. You know, so all these things just play into the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, but then the cold itself, when, you, when you're experiencing cold water on your skin, it is a stress. That's what. That's why it doesn't feel very good. It is a stress for your body, and but so is exercise, um, and it's that stress that we're actually looking for. We want micro stresses, uh, or or acute stresses, but rather than micro stresses, acute stresses. Mm-hmm. We want acute stresses in our life because when we have acute stresses, very short term, your body then has to recover from that. So and and. In the, the training example, if you're lifting some weights or, or going for a run, your body's being stressed. So when you stop, your body goes, right, we need to adapt now so that I'm fitter and stronger and more resilient to that stimulus next time. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing happens with the cold. When you go into the cold, it's a stress. That's why you don't like it very much. But then when you come out of it, your body then says, right, we need to adapt so that we can be more resilient to that next time. And this is the power of then consistent cold therapy. What you're going to start to do is you're going to really improve your circulation. Because when you when the cold hits your skin, your blood vessels constrict yeah. to send all that blood into your core to keep you alive, to keep you, to keep you well. And then as the blood then comes back, so as your blood vessels are constricting, they're activating. They have to activate. So when it opens back up again, you find yourself with much better hair skin nails you'll find yourself with more energy because your brain just gets it gets fired up with the cold you feel yourself more alert and we can, again we can talk about the, the science of what's actually going on with with telomeres and that's when it comes to the longevity and stuff but really first and foremost it's like your own experience like mm-hmm. one it's the willpower two it is the 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 instant impact when you get out the cold shower. Like, how do you feel? Normally, if I'm in a hot shower and I and I press stop and get out, and you're still a wee bit cold because you're like, oh, you know, because because the air is colder than the water. When you're having a cold shower and you press stop, you're like, great, stop, and you come out and you're like, oh, it's actually nice and warm, and you feel fresh, you feel good, and if you feel that way going into the rest of your day, mm-hmm. how much better is your work going to be? How much more uh, presence are you going to have for your children? All of these things are, are what I, this is, what, this is why I do cold therapy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it, it's interesting because it's, you know, you're relating it back to this idea of training. And I think what you're really doing, you know, you're training your mind, as you say, to turn the knob on the on the shower and when you don't want to do it. And that that is literally, I think, what makes the difference between people who are able to sort of push themselves past that point of stuckness and, and to a place of recovery and healing versus, you know, um, people who can. And it's not easy. It's, it's absolutely not easy, but um, it definitely has its benefits. So thank you for sharing. Sure. Um, right, last question for you, Stephen. Um, I ask lots of people this question and it sometimes puts them on the spot, so apologies, but... What do you know about your psychology now that perhaps you didn't know 10 years ago? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> yeah, okay. So a real sense that you were very sort of <clears throat> lacking insight back then? Um, yeah, so I, I, I guess, uh, no, I, I think 10 years ago, I, I knew a lot about um, mindset and studying NLP and so I knew the the science behind some of the psychology, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and at, at that level, that I was able to start helping my clients on a deeper level. So, um, which is the, the question that you're asking about my psychology, I was never willing to go there. I was never willing to, to look at myself because I thought that I was fine. I'm like, I'm fine. Um, and it's funny because a mentor of mine, I say, I'm fine. And she was like, do you know what that stands for, Stephen? And I'm like, no. She's like, that's effed up. Effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that before. Um, and I was like, huh, I'm not going to use that again. Um, <laughs> but so 10 years ago, I would say I'm absolutely fine. I was very level-headed, straightforward. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was building a business. I was you know, I'd met my wife by this point and we're started talking about family and we're doing a thing. And everything was just moving forward. 
And what I know now is that I didn't know anything mm. 10 years ago. Um, I know very, very little. And so what I'm really tapping into now is really honouring mas- my masculine energy. It's something that has always come, I say, come naturally to me. It was a lot of it was in shadow for a long time. Um, very stuck in a masculine energy that was not balanced, um, not not whole. Um, and so what happened, the biggest thing that happened for me was allowing my emotion to come through. And I swung from this stuck in masculine energy, so scared of the feminine, so scared of, of embracing emotion and being in the, in the present moment. And I swung all the way to the other side. And and for for a long time, I was just not going anywhere, but always in the moment, like so loving to my children, so present with my wife. And it was great for my immediate relationships, but not so good for business. Yes. Not, not, not so good for actually my fitness and actually doing going from A to B again. And I had to go through that process. And I had to be in that feminine for... for I was about a year really stuck in that energy. Um, and it's only been probably maybe about six months to a year now that the pendulum has, has swung back, but it's much more balanced. It's much more grounded. I feel myself um, really honouring both sides of me when it's appropriate. It's, that's that's my that's within my capabilities. Um, I see myself being uh, a guide for for myself and my family while not um, forcing like I used to yeah. um, but being a, a bit more of a creating a bit of structure creating yeah. a bit of a, a protection um, element for for my family and and that's that makes me really happy to to see that journey I guess going from the stuck masculine, swinging right into the feminine, really embodying the feminine energy, um, allowing this emotion to come up in a safe space. That's why I love my wife so much for this because she she is my safe space. And then, and then swinging back and going, right, but my natural energy is masculine, my natural, and I know that I can feel it within me. So for, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with, with, again, breath work and cold because it allows me to be present with myself and to understand myself. But delving into the masculine and feminine energies and delving into um, the, the might like a shadow work and understanding, integrating um, and knowing that probably the most important thing that I know now is that this is a journey. Yeah. And if I... I look back 10 years ago and I thought I knew everything 10 years ago. And now I look back and go, I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And to think that I know everything now would be very ignorant and naive. And so the biggest thing now is, okay, great. I've learned so much. I'm embodying this different energy and I'm helping people on a much deeper level. I love this journey and fully connecting with all of the elements understanding that we're fully connected as, as human beings and we should, you know, um, create this more intimate connection with even strangers. Mm. That's what we, that's how we bring humanity together. Mm. But we've got so much to learn. And it's keeping your mind and your heart open for more wisdom to come through yeah. um, because otherwise we become blinkered again and we don't move forward. Yeah. Thank you for um, sort of sharing your perspective on that. And, you know, a couple of things come up for me, this idea of it being a journey. And I'm often saying to my clients, like, this is lifetime work. You're never going to shift the patterns of your past in the space or the course of therapy. It's ongoing and it will continue to be for the rest of your life. And it's sometimes that's a harsh, uh, you know, message to put across to people. But when we can embrace that. And, and the second part is this idea of like, I'm fine. You know, you ask people, how are you? I'm fine. Um, and actually, so many of my clients come thinking that this is the problem when actually it's about that childhood trauma, actually, of our emotions being invalidated, of our experiences being invalidated. And I do think there's something culturally Scottish about that as well. You know, that we typically are quite staunch. You know, we don't talk about emotion. I, I sometimes have clients who come and they don't have emotional language and we're going right back to like labelling up feelings and, and doing all of that work. And so it's 
in so many ways, people are reparenting themselves. Um, and I, I love that you've been able to be so open. Um, yeah. Stephen, listen, thank you so much for being here. Um, I've really appreciated your time and I'm sure this is going to be a great episode for everyone to listen to. So thank you for um, spending time with me today. Yeah, no worries at all, Laura. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, really, really enjoyed speaking to you and I will look forward to seeing more and, and hearing more of your episodes. Amazing. Thanks, Stephen. Bye. Thanks, Laura. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Know Your Own Psychology. If you loved it, please share it on Facebook or Instagram for your friends and family. And if you really want to help me out, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, you can email me hello at drlaurawilliams.com. And if you would like to know your own psychology better, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose, come and join my growing community over on Facebook. Search Know Your Own Psychology and make a request.